0: Billy Grimm, your host on All About Animals Radio. And I'm back again, or I should say more accurately, Tom's back again with us. Tom from Breaking the Chains. We're so uh, interested in everything that you're doing over in Ukraine. I guess you're in Turkey, a couple different places working with the people and the animals. Thank you so much for taking this time to join us again, Tom.
1: Once again, thank you for. uh... Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so let's just dive right in. And and it's a situation over there, right? It's there's you've got problems with the weather and Mother Nature's not necessarily making life easier. And the war. So tell us some um, where you've been hanging out in in what areas
1: yeah so the, the the thing with Ukraine at the moment is obviously same with any war you you kind of like you refer to you see you hear soldiers refer to it as fighting seasons and what that means is basically there's certain seasons of the year where obviously fighting's more intense and more fierce than than others so winter months especially in cold countries like obviously Ukraine what happens there is, Tank movement stops, um, large vehicle movement stops across like open ground, stuff like that. They're stuck to main supply routes, i.e. what that means is basically main MSRs, so main motorways, main roads, because trying to go across country, the vehicles will get bogged in. So what that generally does is it kind of slows down the intensity of the war, which is always a positive. It's it's a positive for civilians. um, And it's kind of like a recoup and a regeneration time for for both, obviously, um, armed forces, so the Russians and the Ukrainians. And you'll hear constantly all over the news about the spring offensive, the spring offensive, the spring offensive. And that's because that's when obviously the open ground will um, will obviously start to settle, so tanks and stuff can start to move it. So that's when you'll end up with that that huge surge, which will sort of like the next couple of weeks it will start to go. Um, In the last sort of like three months, um, it's been all over the news. A a big key area has been over to the east where they've been they've been fighting around Bacnot, Solidar. You'll, You'll hear a lot of that all over the news. Um, Backmult's almost encircled at the moment now, which means the Ukrainians are pulling out of it. So the Russians will slowly, will slowly take that. So we basically, like, we concentrated a lot before these, um, like around Christmas and beginning of January, um, over to the east around Backmult, around those villages there, getting supplies, mm-hmm. in, not just for the animals, but obviously for the people, because the wind mm-hmm. months are harsh. So we need to sustain the people. In order to sustain the animals. So it's like um, I was actually speaking about earlier to somebody, there's a common theme in animal abuse and, and like animal neglect. Now, I'm not saying that the animals get abused in Ukraine, but the point here that I'm getting at is we'll give people a bit of an understanding. Um, when you look at third world countries where animal abuse is rife, so take Romania, like Serbia, Africa, places like that, the common denominator in that is in those areas, the people are massively suffering as well. So it's generally like lower populations, obviously lower class, where the people are suffering that the animals will suffer the most. So what we can't do and what we can never do, um, and a lot of people make a big mistake on this, especially in the animal rescue world, is they try and go into those areas and elevate the animal welfare above the humans. That's never going to happen. You're never going to be able to do it. You need to elevate humans as well as the animals at the same time, because trying to have the humans here and the animals there, It's just going to create more resentment and more animosity towards those animals. So a big thing that we focus on is trying to raise the living conditions um, and the sustainability of the human population in these villages and in these areas so that they can A, look after the animals, B, they generate respect for us so they want to help us to look after these animals. And we're putting a lot of ownership back onto the civilian population within Ukraine to obviously do that amongst these villages and amongst these small communities. And they're absolutely phenomenal. The, the people that, that we see and we work with that are obviously looking after the animals on the ground and stuff like that, it, it's, it's truly remarkable. And you see the love and the compassion that they have for them. It's just, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic because a lot That's of people will be sitting there thinking, well, why don't you get the animals out? And the, the answer to that is, is simple. There's millions. We don't have yeah. millions of homes. We don't have millions of spaces. The, the biggest thing we can do is obviously raise the standards for the, the civilian population so that they can obviously take care of, the animals that they have um, within their communities and within their areas that we are unable to extract and to take obviously to new homes.
0: Absolutely. So that is a great way of looking at it. Well, it's solution oriented for one, which really animal welfare is people. That's what it's about. (laughs) It's we need animal welfare because of not great people. And it is great people that make animal welfare happen. So, By including the people and improving their situation, uh, we can help the animals. And I think that is in a lot of countries and a lot of places where you'll find the animal welfare situations are not as, the animals are not as well cared for and the mindset changes as it does with the human economy and education. And that seems to be worldwide. So it's a very good point because a lot of the the areas that you're you're working in prior to the war these people were these people are well educated a lot of them and they're they're living first world lives and it's just their their lives overnight are literally changed upside down so the first thing to do is to get them back on their feet is that correct
1: Yeah no 100% because you've got so like They've got no power, they've got no running water, they've got no lighting. Right. Um, the only food that they've got is the food that gets given to them humanitarian aid wise. So what they're doing is they're basically they're sharing their supplies with their animals. Now, by I say their animals, I'm not talking like these villages aren't full of families with their dogs you've got and their cats. You've got one or two villages that stay in the village and they're looking after 30, 40, 50 animals. So we need to make sure that we get enough food in there for the animals to take that strain of the animals, taking their food that they're giving to them, obviously, so they can sustain themselves. So we're all about sustainability because what we see a lot is, um, and again, this is this is not, not no judgment passed here or anything like yeah. that. It's just, we, we think of things about on a sustainability basis. When, when you see people delivering two or three bags of dog food to a, a village on the front line, that's great if it's one hour. it's gonna last it six months, brilliant. If you've got 50, 60 dogs, you're spending seven, 800 euros on fuel to go all the way from, from Poland, all the way across to the east to give four or five days worth of food. Then you've got to do that one again, but they don't go back and do that one again. And you can't, it's not, it's not sustainable. It's not possible. So what we do is on the flip side to how we operate is when we go into a village, we don't just take them one, two, three bags of food. We take them a hundred, 200. We can do runs of up to 12 tons of food in one run, which some people don't even do in six months. And that's because we identify the fact of why this village is really dangerous. It's potentially going to get caught by the Russians. If this family is still here, these animals are still here. They need that food. They need to sustain themselves for six months to a year. So let's get this food in here for the villagers. They'll pass it around the other villages. If the Russians take it, because they've got movement behind. So we've got maximum food getting delivered around, um, obviously by the people, if the worst case happens. Um, And obviously, again, if it doesn't, and they're holding out for months and months and months, our team don't have to risk our lives again to get yep. there to drop off more food so we're limiting our footprint on the ground because another big problem that you have is when you when you go into these villages in the conflict areas on the front line not only are you putting yourself at risk as a team you're also endangering the civilians and the reason why you're endangering the civilians is the Russians have got drones up they've got eye stars, so basically surveillance assets and stuff like that they see a couple of vehicles moving into a village on the front line they're sitting there thinking who are they they're then going to target those vehicles. If you're parked outside a civilian's house or near a civilian's house, that artillery comes in that could hit that building, kill those civilians, and that's because you have your footprint on the ground. So you need to make sure you're doing it tactically, tactically, you're doing it correct. Um, you Basically, that presence on the ground is minimalistic. So you're not just, not only are you then not putting your team max, at maximum risk, you're keeping the civilians as safe as you possibly can to get that food in. Because it's pointless and does trying that,
0: to So would that... Discourage in any way the locals from working with you because they don't want to have your presence attracted to their area? Or do they realize that you're doing that, that you're their lifeline or a a strong part of their lifeline? And as well, you do this with the knowledge that you have behind you. I mean, you have a lot of this knowledge and experience behind you. How are you feeling that reception from them?
1: Yeah, brilliant. I mean, the the, the thing is, is these. seen so obviously, you know about con, obviously like conditioning and stuff like that. So, when the first couple of days of the war, first couple of weeks of the war, these people under the constant bombardment and stuff would have been absolutely petrified. They'd be they'd be terrified. But then, as time goes on, you, you start to get conditioned to it, and it becomes today could be my day, and it couldn't. It's, you see the same with soldiers that fear, that initial fear starts to obviously dwindle and you, you get conditioned to it. Um, but with them, it's like we're, we're, we're a lifeline for their animals that they love. Um, also, we, we we do it in a way we're, we're in, we're out, we're not, we don't sit there, we don't mess around. Um, like if, when we go into bad areas, it's literally like vehicle in, food off, we're gone um, and we do, it, we do it nice and fast, we get it done. Um, we don't linger around, we don't faff about. And yeah, we, we move in certain ways and we do certain things on the ground that obviously mitigate these, these risks and these threats to obviously the, to the villages, um, but yeah, no, they're, they're really receptive to us and um, they, we've got, I mean, we, we go back to some places that we went to at the, obviously like months ago where they was getting absolutely hammered and there was nearly under Russian control or when there was under Russian control and they was in a really bad way. And we, we met these people. And we helped them in their darkest of times, and then now we pop back there when obviously we're going through to go to a village because they've been liberated, and we're going to go to another one. And we see them, and they make us cake. They <laughs> obviously give <laughs> hugs, like chai. They know obviously <laughs> i so awesome. Come in, come in, and they make us go in the house with them. We sit down. We'll have a cup of chai with them. They'll like get the family photo albums out. They'll tell us everything, and like they'll make us bread and, and stuff like that. And it's like you are obviously like no 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 you keep it you keep it and they're like no no tom you 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 need to come, you have come on eat eat and it's just it's absolutely phenomenal
0: oh made- that's beautiful and it makes them feel good as well and yeah. if they're in a position to do that you know you're making a positive effect
1: yeah and we've made we, so we've made a lot of friends um yeah. a lot of really really good friends i mean i get messages um all the time from the people that we work with and we we're helping ukraine stuff like I'll, I'll get a random whatsapp message saying hey tom how are you doing how's things i see you in turkey um or see you see you doing this and it's like yeah yeah don't worry the team's about obviously your cycles coming up in in a week's time They're like yeah yeah no we know we know you're going to come i just wanted to make sure he was all right and it's like because obviously we work oh, certain areas um certain yeah. time frames because we know when we drop what off and, and when we need to go yeah. back um and stuff like that so now yes yeah, we've got a lot of a lot of incredible incredible friends there. and
0: mainly. that's that's what keeps it going that's yeah. that's that is what it's all about good for you so you did mention turkey let's move on over to there what is the situation in turkey that you're specifically addressing it's heavy there eh? it's i i work with the dog rescues in turkey and it's just it's
1: tough it tells yeah, me it's horrific. So I was um, when the earthquake hit on the, on the sixth of Feb. I was I was actually I was actually over to the east. I was out on the ground. When I come out of um, the conflict areas, because basically, when you're in and around the red zones and stuff, the conflict areas, you have like no phone signal stuff. And I come out, and I must have had about two hundred messages um, yeah. telling me about obviously this earthquake that had hit. Um, and was like you, you need to get a team over there because obviously it, it, it's horrendous and um a couple of them were, were guys that i knew from like search and rescue and stuff like that um that messaged me and was like this this is going to be like off the scale like it's, it's that bad and i knew when i got a message from a couple of these individuals i like, it was it's not your standard it was like horrific um unimaginable and yeah so so I sat there, made a few phone calls um, and then I headed over there myself and, and one other while we obviously, because I need, because obviously we've got Ukraine, so we still need to facilitate Ukraine, the, the shelter, um, obviously supply jobs, all that sort of stuff, um, the animals. So I needed to pull in a couple of guys that I had on leave that were obviously having a bit of time off. So we had to pull them in, move them across from around the world from where they was. Um, yeah. And we got out there. We spent the, again, going back to humans and animals, had we have gone out there and just solely tried to focus on, on animals to start with, we'd have, it, it, you'd be like banging your head against a brick wall because there's people searching through rules, trying to find family members. And and you have a thing called, you have like a five to seven day window, which um, which basically means people under the rubble have generally got between five and seven days that, that they can survive for on average. So for the first five to seven days, it's, it's rescue. Um, around about the seventh day it becomes recovery. And what that means is the buildings will go through with, with machinery and basically recover, recover the dead because they're assuming at that point that everybody in there is dead. You always get your miracles. So we went out there and we spent the first four days um, obviously working on rescues of, of humans and uh, obviously recovery of family members, unfortunately, which was, which was heartbreaking um, and focusing on saving the people and, and helping the people that were trapped in, in the buildings. Then when everybody, when the government turned to recovery, that was that was our time then to go into obviously our primary role, which is animal rescue. But how that helped us is the connections that we made, saving the people and helping the people, right. they then facilitated us with the the things that we do. And there's, there's buildings now that they they won't let people in apart from us and the Turkish team that we and the Turkish guys that we work with um, out on the ground there. So we're the only people that they'll let in there. Um, and it's like it's cordoned off to everybody to all emergency services and buildings that like you can't go in there but because they've seen our work obviously over the last four weeks they're just like yep and we have the police come to us the military come to us um, there's an animal here the building's really bad do you think you can save it and yeah so now we just go in um, go into these buildings and we basically rescue the animals that are trapped um and locked inside the buildings with no food no water and it's what four weeks on now we have a look six exactly a month today Yeah, and my guys obviously I left Turkey early hours this morning I'm currently in France at the moment for a load of meetings and and interviews and stuff but um, my guys rescued obviously animals today from a month on that have been stuck in an apartment with no food no water in damaged buildings and we got around about probably about 110 animals um, out of these places which is which is, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, the, the Turkish guys we're working with have uh, been absolutely phenomenal. So we kind of like joined forces, which is brilliant because you always want that familiar face, that local face, it's, always, it, it's vital in, especially in countries like Turkey to have that, that local civilian. So we've, we've got some, a couple of great guys that have been working alongside us and yeah, doing, uh, doing, doing incredible work. I'm incredibly proud of, of what we've done in Turkey.
0: And they would also be beneficial, just in knowing, even though it's demolished, but knowing the areas and knowing the buildings and know what was where, and and just knowing the lay of the land, and having connections with government and that kind of thing as well. Where are they? Are you using?
1: No, so our, our guys, um, the guys we got are from a we we from a completely different. State. Okay. Um, right. a completely different city we we made a lot of connections with the military obviously the fire brigade um okay. the local authorities because we because we was digging and rescuing people yeah but like beside them and then because we've been there and we've, they've seen the stuff that we do like the like the special forces police the police the army they see what we can do and then we get them now coming to us they'll come to where we're obviously situated and where we're staying they'll come to the team and be like guys there's this cat it's like on this roof here it's really bad we need you to come and get it and it's like all right so they they come to us and our instagram and facebook's kind of turned into like a, a 999 or 112 or whatever country right from the emergency services line where we just get fired messages with information that the team remotely collates, pass it on to us and then um from owners basically who had to abandon their animals and we're well, not abandoned i say abandon. that's a one word yeah. Um unfortunately couldn't take their animals with them and they're obviously stuck in the buildings and I'm actually going to touch up on that now because um, there'll, be, there'll be some people sat listening to this saying oh, I could never leave my animal and stuff like that and the, my immediate strength point blunt response to that is you either do or you're dead you go into those buildings that like most people that have that for me in fact 99.9% of people that have that thought in their head, if I took them to a building and said, right, come on, me and you were climbing that to get that cat," they are like, I'm not doing that. And I'd be like, so you won't do that when there's no earthquake going on, and nothing's falling, but you expect someone to run around a high-rise building when the roof's yes. falling down on them, the stairways are, the walls are, and they've got to grab their kids, and you expect them to try and find a terrified cat that it takes me three and a half hours to with a full team in an apartment during calm and you want it when all hell's breaking loose, not gonna yeah. happen.
0: Nobody knows what they would do in that situation because it's impossible to envision <laughs> and know. We would all do what we think is what we can accomplish and the best we can do at that moment. And yeah. there's no point in judging that.
1: No, nah, and, but it, and you the thing is is like but this 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 is the thing though, and it's like you you ain't you ain't you ain't getting those cats. You ain't finding them. When that's coming down, you are not finding them it's pitch black roofs coming down the wall coming down it's it's insane i mean we was um we was there when the 6.5 earthquake hit um about a week week and a half ago something like that and and that brought down a load of buildings and my guys frequently say when we're when we're in these buildings we see the damage and we're like this is bad like this this building is bad and i mean it's like leaning like this and the main structural beams have gone there's, there's still walls crumbling as we're moving because of the slightest shift and and then the lads are like, imagine being it. And these these are battle hard soldiers that are like, imagine yeah. being in this when this is coming down. And it's like, and it's just heartbreaking because the people that make those comments on like social media and stuff, their owners and all these people are following us in the hope that on our list, when we go through it, we'll rescue their animal and they'll get that phone call. And they see these comments and like these are families ah. that these are families that have lost. So we we have a guy who um who comes to our camp every day, a Turkish man, he's about, about 60 years old. Hmm. He um, basically, we first met him, he lived around the corner. He just sat on a chair like this outside of a basically destroyed house. He's sit there all day, every day. Hmm. And one day we invited him to have a, to have a cup of tea with us. And we got a, we got a translator to translate obviously what had happened. And basically his, his family was killed in the building. And unfortunately they they've not been recovered yet from, from the building where there's killed so he sits out there all day every day and he has done for weeks we met this guy pretty much right at the start and we've been come, we've become friends with him we've got him a tent we've got him a sleeping bag we've got him a Walmart. mat he comes every morning for a cup of tea he comes every evening for a cup of tea he sits by our fire to get warm but now what he does is he never used to speak or never used to say anything as you can imagine he's, the guy's lost everything his house his family and and all that sort of stuff and now he comes and he, he sits with us he, he talks to us he actually brings bread every morning and, and and every evening it's like a little part of our little community out there but just him as an example of, of what he has lost and then there's many people out there that have that have lost everything but we managed to reunite them with that cat that dog there's that the only thing they've got left and it means the absolute world to them it means the world to them and then they're seeing comments from idle-minded people that just haven't got a clue because they just spend their lives sat on a sofa looking at Facebook uh, that are just basically stabbing these people in the heart when they've already lost everything. It's just, there's a time and a place and naivety. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's one of the issues with social media. There's just people who they're not part of the solution and they're part of the problem. And they just need to understand that. Yeah. If you're not going to be, <laughs> It's That is just an ongoing issue with social media on so many levels. I mean, there's probably stories everybody even listening has that you just get beat up. I mean, even just down to people helping people and animals in different countries. It doesn't mean that they're not helping ones close to home as well or that they're not supporting. And and as long as people have a passion, this is a big topic, actually, in a lot of the the, uh, interviews that I do. It's just a matter of finding a passion that's important to you and something that's important to you and what your skills are and how you can use your skills mm-hmm. to to help and to be part of the solution. And if it's not the same way somebody else would do it, or it's not the same mission or passion somebody else has, who cares? Just go do it. Go do it yourself. And don't worry about what other people are doing.
1: Oh, exactly. just do your thing.
0: And and oh, yeah. so that is absolutely unacceptable but having said that we're going to have all those links in the show notes so please go there people with positive comments if you can if you can donate if you can help in any way and also remember that sharing and posting positive comments and support is really appreciated so if you can just even take some time to do that and all the links will be in the show notes i wanted to get back to also, the shelter that you had because we talked about that in our first chat, Tom, mm-hmm. so that that shelter that you have, how's that going there? Because people can go and sponsor animals from from that shelter. so you're you've not only uh, supporting keeping the animals where they are and providing the people and the animals with supplies that they need where they are, but you also do have a shelter where some of them are coming <laughs> too and that was put up sorry <laughs> right in uh there's one in there's not one in turkey there's one in ukraine right
1: yeah yeah so our, our shelter's in um our shelter's in ukraine um yeah no it's going going brilliant fantastic um Good. got a great team of local ukrainians that um obviously we that have as as like cattle staff and obviously they take care of the animals that's headed up by obviously a couple of western civilian um people that we have obviously working within the organization and now they're doing absolutely phenomenal our our shelter team and the veterinary team we have there yeah they're doing absolutely brilliant and um and I mean the the thing is is like I I couldn't do it um not because I don't love animals obviously I love animals to to pieces and love spending time around animals but like for me the type of person I'm I'm an action person I need to be out on the ground I need to be saving that life which is which is obviously vital, but what's what's more vital is the work that the shelter staff do and the veterinary team do. Because like what we do is we we get them and then and they do that. To me, they do the hard work because we spoke about it before. At the um, obviously before we started the the interview was, like the behaviours and stuff like that, and obviously the the trauma that these animals have, have faced and when we go and we get these animals, like a lot of them, they're fear aggressive and um, they're absolutely terrified. And they're just, they're just shells of them that they're all selves. And, and we, we can't pick these animals up. We have to like, basically, we have to restrain and get them in. And then we get like zero interaction with them because they just want to bite us because they're scared. And we don't have the time to obviously coax them around. We can't sit there for two, three hours trying to show a dog that we're, we're, we're good people. We have to get the animal, get them to safety. And then, we go back two days later when we come back from another op and we just see that very same dog and we go over and it's like (laughs) you're just like the work that the the work that the team at the shelter do is just it's absolutely brilliant it truly is um yeah and
0: that that gets back to everybody having their own skill and what they're good at and what they they want to do what part of the whole process it's a full process and it's amazing that you've managed to have that work because it it really does take everybody working together because you can't like you said you can't get every animal out of these areas but when you do you have to have somewhere to take them where they're going to be able to get the care that they need
1: yeah i mean uh um they're they're just i've lost you they're um can you still see me
0: i can still see you
1: yeah i don't know what's going on here someone tried to call we
0: can hear you oh
1: yeah, no, that uh, yeah, you're right there. I mean, it's it, it does it. it, takes a whole a whole process. And um we got we got a large team, um obviously we've got the ground team, star teams, we've got obviously the shelter staff, we've got people that work behind the scenes on obviously like admin and and stuff like that. And yeah, no, it's, it's brilliant. And and the thing is is with the with obviously the shelter staff, like they've had it hard um this winter with obviously the, the temperatures. Drop into like minus 17, minus 18. They've got no power, they've got no like a hot water, um, no heating, no lighting. And I mean, that's the same all across all across Ukraine, but the difference between like our team there is, is they don't come from Ukraine, they're not used to these winters. I mean, Nicole blesses, she's from Australia. So she, she's she's yeah. used to she's used yeah. to warm weather, and all of a sudden she's like minus yeah. 18 with no heat and no electricity and stuff like that, which isn't absolute trooper, like they yeah, they dig out blind and they do. They do incredible. And I mean, I was back there. Um, so obviously, so even with obviously Turkey going on and stuff, I, I've still got a huge, like Ukraine, the focus hasn't changed at all with Ukraine. Turkey's made no effect on that whatsoever. Um, so I'm obviously just controlling the two teams. So I popped back out to Ukraine last week um, mm-hmm. just to pop in and obviously see the team, see um, see the animals, just to see how obviously they're getting on. sort a few bits out in Ukraine before going back to before going back to Turkey, because obviously there's, there's a very small window um, in Turkey to save these animals. And as we, what we'll start to find over the next week or so is when we're getting into these, these apartments and buildings, we will start to find deceased animals um, that have obviously starved to death or um, obviously died of dehydration and, and stuff like that. So the, the focus, for like the next couple of weeks is obviously on the ground wise is is Turkey. So that window doesn't close on us without us without us the being there, if that makes sense. And then- it
0: does. It does. So the before we started this interview too, you talked a little bit about some of the laws in Turkey that may not work in the better interest of the animals or the animal uh owners, pet parents. Um yeah. are are you fight finding any challenges there?
1: Yeah, so basically you can't enter a you can't enter a building or or an apartment. Um even though obviously you know there's a there's a trapped animal there, you can't enter the building or the apartment without the owner's permission. So that's one um one thing we come up against, thankfully. Ninety-nine percent of the time, obviously the owners are like, "Yep, yep, you can, you can, you can go in, no problem, not an issue." Sometimes, like, um, basically, we'll have to go in through the stairwell because that's like the fifteenth floor. But then they won't let us break the door um, to get in and, and get the cat. And it's like, well, do you know what I mean? If we don't get in and get the cat, we need, we need to take the door off. I can't climb the outside of a fifteen-story building. That's just ridiculous, especially with the the aftershocks and the tremors and stuff like that you're like getting in, inside of um, Turkey. I mean, don't get me wrong, we have climbing the exterior of, of buildings, um, but only like three three floors. Um, we won't really go higher than that because if you get a tremor any higher than that, you you, you drop in and it's not it's too dangerous for the guys. Um, so yeah, so we sometimes we come across that. We know there's a cat stuck in an apartment and the owners won't let us won't let us do what we need to do to to get the cat. The
0: owners won't, or the law won't.
1: Now the owners won't. Um, so mm. basically it's the same thing. So the, if the owners saying no, it's because basically you've got to have, by law, you've got to have the owner's permission um, right. in, order to, in order to do it. So without the owner's permission, we, we can't do it. And we've had a couple of instances where obviously the team's there, the primed prepped, we've had a look every way and we're like, right, we know the animal's in here. Um, we, we need to go through your door. And they're like, nope, because mm. my clothes and things in there. And it's like, well,
0: we the don't animals. want your clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah, the animal, the animal, like more important than, than your clothes. And I mean, like I say, this has only happened a couple of times. Um, I was
0: going to say, yeah. The, the
1: that's vast an majority, odd one. the vast majority have um have obviously been on it and and, and been good. So, but yeah, we've, we've come across that a couple of times. We've we found the work around them, Um and those animals have been saved. We haven't just left them. So, we've, good for you.
0: Good. Got to do what you got to do. Okay. Well, once again, super informative, always, always great to talk to you because it's just a wealth of information that I think a lot of people not only want to learn, but need to it's we're getting the info straight from the straight from the ground. So thank you so much, Tom. Anything else that you want to share with us? I know, I know you probably got to sleep or a million things to do. (laughs) I just love talking to you though. It's so great yeah it's yeah, just no, it's, it's really work. just a shining example of someone using their exact skills to make a difference that's that's really what you are
1: uh we just gotta do just gotta do what we do i mean like um one thing i'm gonna say as well is you, you mentioned earlier about um people have like their different passions and and stuff like that and when you see people making the, the comments that they make and as you know one of the the biggest ones is oh why do you help animals and and not people and I always, I always use this as an example to people. Um, and as you say, well, you're in love with your wife. What do you say when people tell you they don't like your wife? And it's like, well, I love her. And it's like, exactly. And people love yeah. animals over humans. You can't help who or what you love. So all you can do is respect it and, and support it. You wouldn't like it if people insulted those that you love. So don't do it the other way.
0: Yeah. Do, do what you can do and where your passion hits and, and, make a difference and other people can either hop on board or not
1: that's it um what i will say is uh there's going to be some good videos coming out in um yay in the next sort of like couple of weeks and stuff from from turkey which if people want to see what an angry cat can do um they're gonna (laughs) gonna
0: see her that's awesome yeah Um, so that'll be on facebook and other social media so everyone can follow you there That's
1: yeah a, yeah but, uh, the videos are great we're on instagram and and facebook and stuff like okay. that because um, yeah because these these cats are terrified they're absolutely petrified and they're like yeah they go hard yeah. when you try to go into the home and, and you try and get them they've been there three four weeks on their own and yeah they come with you hard i mean we had yeah. one cat that and wiped it's so out. sad it is it's, it's heartbreaking but then if you look on the post the other days we got one one of the cats wiped out half the team so four guys um basically one of them ripped open all his face bit oh two others God. um ripped one of my guy's arms open I managed to get hold of it got it in the crate good to go and then I went and saw it four days later um at the private clinic that we we'd sent it to and if you look on Facebook you'll see the pictures of her uh, cuddling me and stuff like a completely different cat and it's just Aww.
0: like
1: yeah absolutely amazing and I saw her and she like saw me and i just like caught her hands I was like oh, Hello, I think you're like this is an angry cat because they're all like quite feisty and she is just woman up against me and just cuddling me. It's illogical
0: when you think about it, when anybody's put in a situation that they feel threatened and uncomfortable and they've had their life, you know, threatened, and then they get somewhere where they're comfortable and happy. They're that's humans, every single species does that. That's that again gets you know, dogs assessing a dog in a shelter is just 100%. 100%, 100%.
1: But what I will say is, give me a really aggressive dog any day of the week over an angry cat. (laughs) Because, wow, there's been some challenges. Let's just say that.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Wow. We saved every, we we saved them. So nice. Good for you.
0: Well, yeah, we're all going to look forward to those videos now and go check out that uh, the cat, the cat that made the big change. We'll all go there, check it out. Those are the most awesome stories. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank
1: you. You take care and I'll see you again soon, Though.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And this has been uh, Billy Groom with Tom from Breaking the Chains on Effective Animal Advocacy on the All About Animals radio show.